0: Good morning. It's good to see you here this morning. As Joel said, we're at the end of 2014, about to turn the corner into 2015. And just a reminder that time marches on. (laughs) It does. And this podium is actually a reminder. I cannot see the screen as well, so I've been using a podium. Just thought I'd answer the question once and for all. For, for everyone who wonders, why did he start using it? I can't see it as well as I used to. So, <laughs> I actually, it's much more comfortable to be able to see what I'm talking about. That's great. Um, this, this week and next, we're going to do a two-part series called Setting the Tone. And we're going to uh, look back. And we're going to talk this week about what to look back at. What should we look back at? Where should we focus as we're looking back at the year. And then next week, we're going to talk about what to look forward to, what to gaze on, what, what should be drawing us forward as we set out to follow the Lord into 2015, as we get ready for that. You know, once Christmas is over and gets wrapped up, it seems like everything sort of turns toward the new year. I noticed the first Rose Parade, commercial about 10 days ago. I don't know when they started. I noticed it. You know, it's like everything starts turning toward the new year and it's a natural time to reflect and evaluate, think back over last year and begin to consider what you want to do differently, um, this next year. And my native tendency is to rehash conversations, to really sit and think through what's going on, sort of, my native tendency is to be a navel gazer, which is miserable. It is really miserable to sit there and think about what you said and what's gone on and what's happening to review scenes from the day and evaluate. There is, there is some of that that's very important and we're going to encourage you to do that today. You may not be wired to reflect, but today we, we want to help you think through some things about the last year that can carry you into the year ahead no matter where you fall on the spectrum of reflecting um, it's important to get an accurate picture of where you're at and that means you have to stop and think about what's gone on what's happened what's where where are we in this whole thing so um, we're going to do that this morning a little bit no matter where you are uh, as you reflect, you can see the ups and downs. And something I've learned, I'm going to share out of a passage this morning and talk about some things that have really been helpful to me because as I go through the ups and downs of life, I used to just think you had to ride. If, you're heading, if your circumstances are taking you downhill, you just had to ride the roller coaster down. There's nothing you could do. Just ride it out. You know, wait till you get to the bottom and start going back up. But what we're going to talk about this morning is some help that God gives for really changing our perspective on life as we're dealing with the different circumstances that we face. Here's a poster. This poster is from despair.com. If you're heading down the roller coaster, I wouldn't say go to that site, but this this is actually, it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek perspective. Less is more unless you're standing next to the one with more. Then less just looks pathetic. <laughs> and so as, as we look back at the year and start evaluating, it's easy to compare, isn't it? I mean, it's really very easy to get into comparison. And comparison discontent, which comes out of comparison, is a force that can pull us like gravity shoo, pull us down in the wrong direction, and it can become like a flu. It distorts our perspective. Our senses aren't where they should be, and we can't, we can't really get a grip on life. So this morning, we're going to look at what God has said about overcoming discontent comparison. Uh, we're going to spend some time looking at what he wants. Before we dig into the Bible, though, I'd like to give you some warning signs of discontent that may help you sort of gauge where you're at. First, comparing yourself with others nonstop. Driving down the freeway, you're in your car, you see another car, a new car, a shiny car, a fast car. Whatever it is, it's easy to do. Responding to the success of others. You know, you've gone to some family gatherings, maybe it's going well with them. Easy easy to dig into comparison there. Dealing with difficult things. In the middle of very, very difficult things, it's almost impossible not to think about your family and friends who aren't having to deal with it. You know, nobody else is having to face this kind of thing. Nonstop comparison pulls you down into the pit. It's important to, to recognize your head in that way. and We're going to talk about some things that will help you pull out of that pit. Second warning sign is control. Not happy with the way things are going, so you try to control people in circumstances. and circumstances. You like chess pieces; you just want to arrange them. So you know, just go where I want you to go, say what I want you to say, do what I want you to do. And nobody seems to do that. They don't get. They don't get it. They aren't. They aren't helping. You know. And then you start thinking, well, nobody else is going to do it. I'll just have to do it myself. I'm all alone in this. A final. Warning sign is fear. It's the third warning sign of discontentment that I'm bringing up this morning. Your mind races to the unknowns. What if I use up all my savings? What if I get a terrible sickness? What if, what if? It's endless. What if I don't get that job that I want? What if I don't meet that person that I really want to meet? Discontent, these are the warning signs. That can start you down the the slide toward discontent. And discontent robs us of the joy that God wants us to experience as we walk through life. If you can find contentment, you have a tremendous amount of gain in life. You you have the joy that God wants you to experience. And he shows us the path to contentment. And it's not the path that we normally take or that we normally think is the path we need to go down in order to find contentment. What we uh, find in Scripture is that God gives us everything we need to face the challenges of life, and especially the new year that's coming up. The passage that we're going to look at in this series this week and next is from the book of Hebrews, uh, the final chapter of Hebrews. And the writer of this book concluded his letter by showing where we should focus our, our minds, what we should think about when we're struggling with contentment. It provides a lot of help for us as we wrap up the year. Think about how the last year's gone, looking forward to the next year. Read, it, read with me Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. <clears throat> it says, keep your life free. From the love of money and be content with what you have, for he, God, has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? This passage will help us develop a strategy for getting content and dealing with comparison and discontent. The author tells us to look back. Actually, it's, it's not obvious that that's what he's saying, but he is saying, look back at what God has said and what God has done, because he was writing to Jewish Christians and they would know this passage. He quoted a passage from the Old Testament because Hebrews is a connecting book. What Hebrews does is it connects the Old Testament and what the the uh God's people in the Old Testament went through and dealt with and how God helped them. It connects the past with Christians and their struggles today. That's what Hebrews does. It's connecting the Old Testament and helping us make sense of it in light of Jesus Christ and who he was. And so what the author here is doing is he's referring back to something God said through Moses and he's connecting what he said and what he did to our present-day challenges and our present-day struggles. And so there's some real help here. The statement in Hebrews 13, 5 is a quote uh, from Moses when he was near the end of his life. He, uh, you know, if you may have seen the movie Exodus, Gods and Kings, you know, it's a uh, It's an epic movie that's out right now. I heard it fall short on the biblical end of things, but it is epic because it's an epic story. Moses lived this epic story. He he lived an epic life. God really used him to lead uh, the nation of Israel. And by God's power, he led them out of slavery in Egypt. He led them beyond Egypt and he uh, used him. To get the nation of Israel, who wasn't a nation yet, the people of Israel, uh, to the edge of the land that God had promised to them. So that, when when he makes this quote, when he gives this quote, when he makes this statement, I mean, um, they're perched on the edge of the promised land. And he's handing the baton of leadership off to Joshua. And so... The writer of Hebrews is referring back to this scene where Moses is talking to people of Israel and Joshua and he's, he's helping them figure out what they're going to need in order to win the victories in the Promised Land. And basically, he, he tells them that trusting God... Builds confidence and contentment in the midst of the challenges. And this is what he says, Deuteronomy 31, 1 through 6. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. I read that, and I think, I'm amazed he made it to 120. Come on, that's amazing. (laughs) 120 years old, he's not able to lead them anymore. Time to hand off the leadership to Joshua. Joshua. He said, he said this, he goes on, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord, your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord has said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, when he destroyed, uh, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, it's interesting, the writer of Hebrews connects this dot. Because as, as the Christians who were under a lot of persecution, very poor, that he was writing to, are struggling with contentment, he points back to this moment in history, and he says, this is the way you deal with that. This is the way to deal with contentment. You set your focus on God's presence, not the things you're afraid of, not the disparity between you and anyone else, but you set your focus on the living God. The entire nation of Israel would be starting a brand new chapter by enter, entering the promised land at this point. But they're going to have to fight for it. God, God's going to give it to them, but they're going to have to fight. And this is our reality in our world. God, God's promised those who follow him joy and an abundant life. But you have to fight for it. Till from, from the day you decide to follow Christ to the day you die. You have to fight for it the day you die boom it's all good (laughs) you if, if you decide to follow christ you enter into god's presence and everything's changed but in this world i don't have time to explain why there's a great explanation why in this world you have to fight to experience the life god's promised and so they're on the edge they have to fight I'm sure Joshua and the people, they're they're struggling at times with uh, knowing whether or not they've got what it takes to, to win the battles, to get the promised land. Um, we we don't have what we need. We don't have the manpower, the weapons, the numbers. The people are giants. They'd sent some scouts out. Ten, ten of the 12 scouts came back and said, you know, I think we should just pack up and go back to Egypt because these people are huge. Sure, the land is fantastic. The land is amazing. But, oh, I'm not, I don't, I just don't think we've got what it takes to, to, to do it. I I don't think we'd pull it off. So they grumbled, gave a bad report of Moses' leadership, and there were consequences. The whole nation of Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years. And this is what happens when we don't trust God in the midst of challenges. We wander. We don't make the progress that he really wants us to make. But Moses, speaking out of his own experience, makes this statement. Because during his lifetime, as he led the nation of Israel over and over and over again, their circumstances didn't look good. They looked horrendous, but God came through and provided over and over again. And so knowing that they're going to deal with fear, comparison, uh, trying to control situations they can't control, things are going to be out of their control. Moses knew that a strong focus on God, his presence, and faith in him is what it was going to take to bring success. So in this statement, I want to underline this. It's this something I've figured out as I've walked with God through the years. In this statement Moses gives a key to the victory over comparison. And and here here's the key. I need to make a shift in my focus from what I have or don't have to doing God's will in the circumstances I'm in. I need to make that shift. God promises to give what we need to do what he wants. If I'm I'm focused on a circumstance and I'm trying to get out of it what I want, I'm focused on that, what's going to happen? I'm afraid. I try to control it. And I, I get unhappy with what's going on. But if I'm dealing with a circumstance and my goal is to please God and to do what He wants, my whole focus shifts off of the things that I have or don't have Onto to what, what is it going to take to accomplish God's purpose right here, right now. That's the key to contentment. That's how we find it in life. That's how we discover it. When I'm wrapped up in my own goals, I'm on my own. But when I'm trying to do what God wants, He promises to provide everything I need to do exactly that. He will give me what I need. At the end of the year, you may be looking back, and it might be kind of a downer thinking about the outstanding bills that need to be paid, uh, that you thought maybe would be paid. Maybe you're not as far ahead as you, you wanted to be. Your car may be sputtering along. There are people that aren't in your life. You wish were in your life. You aren't at the place in life you want to be. The experiences you want to have... Maybe maybe you haven't had and you feel like you're missing out. Um, these things could be capturing your focus right now. All the stuff you don't have. All the stuff you do have that you wish would get fixed. Whatever it is. Maybe, maybe that's capturing your focus. But notice how Moses and Joshua shifted the focus of the people from... Fear and comparison to doing what God wants, recognizing his presence and help to do exactly what he wants you to do. We we have the ability to fast forward and see what happens in the life, because this is history. This is why it's helpful to look back. So we can fast forward from this point in history, from Deuteronomy here to um, the way it played out in the history of Israel And how it went as they fought the battles in the promised land. And here's how it went. When they trusted God and did it his way, they won. When they trusted themselves and did it their own way, they lost. Every time. It was as simple as that. This is the way it is. Hope comes as I shift from comparison to God's presence and provision, to do his will. This, this is where I find hope. We deal with discontentment when we're afraid we're not going to get what we want or what we need. Have you ever checked your bank account and discovered you have less than you thought? It's a shocker. <laughs> Made some kind of error. Or now you get an alert on your app. Isn't that fun? You turn your phone on, there's an alert. Oh, no, you know, I I always check the alerts. Now, once I checked one at one point and found out it was telling me my bank account was getting low, you know, I checked that. So it's easy when that happens to go into a spiral and be frustrated and resent having to watch your finances so closely, isn't it? I have a friend who has way more money than I do, and one time we were having lunch together. I think it was for his birthday or my birthday or something, or an old friend, long time friend. And he was telling me one time he was really bummed because he's he's about to go to Hawaii, and he had to have a budget this time. You know, things were a little tight. He had to have a budget for Hawaii. That's a point at which you could struggle. Because I had never been to Hawaii at that point in my life. <laughs> I had never been there. And things like this happen all the time. What are we going to do with that? Hope comes as I shift from comparison to doing God's will. To his promise to help me do that with his presence. And the, the things that he's going to provide to do that. Find contentment. We have to shift our eyes away from all the stuff we don't have. All the things we want to have, all the trouble, the circumstances to doing God's will and trusting him to help me do it. This is, this is actually why God made us. He made people to do what pleases him. And that's right. For someone who's made something, to, to ask that. If, if you have a maker... You, you're, you're made to do what the Maker wants, and He's made us to do what pleases Him. We haven't. We've rebelled, all of us, but He graciously accepts us back into His family if we turn from going our own way and decide to accept what Jesus Christ has done into our life and live for Him, which is what we were made to do. That's why he made us. So to find contentment, we shift from what we want, what we have, what we don't have, to doing what God wants. And that is where the joy is. That's where the contentment is found. That's where life really becomes the life that we've wanted. And it's way backwards from the way we normally think. We think the path is our way, the normal way that we do it. Look again at Hebrews 13. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we say confidently, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That truth settles your heart when you believe it. When you, when you really believe it, it settles our heart. Battles in our heart and mind. The battle's in here and in here. We can, we can shift our focus by looking at what God's given us right now. If I'll trust and obey Him, gives me confidence that He's going to provide what I need right in the here and now. Then we don't have to ride the roller coaster downhill. We can we can choose what we think about. We can shift our focus to those things. Trusting God brings courage, confidence, contentment, blessing, and advance. We make the progress that God wants for us. Be content with what you have, for He has said, "I will never leave you nor forsake you." There's popular verse that many athletes hold on to as they compete, and you may see it some this. Bowl season, you yeah, know it's bowl season. Been watching the boring bowls mostly to this point. The better bowls are coming. Uh, football games that sort of matter. We'll forget about them in a couple months, but they sort of matter right now. Uh, see who wins the national championship. It's all coming up. But there's a popular verse that many athletes, Christian athletes, hang on to. Philippians 4:13, which says, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me." Here's a picture of tim tebow and you can see that verse on his eye black he's cover sports illustrated philippians 4 13 is there i can do all things through christ who strengthens me the setting and context for this verse is important in, in terms of interpreting and understanding what it what it actually means the verse was written by paul from prison He writes this verse, and the amazing thing about Paul is at one point in Philippians, he says, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So what has happened to him, he got beaten nearly to death and thrown in prison. And what's he focusing on? Is he focusing on, you know, none of my other friends are in here with me. Nobody else has to go through this right now. I'm in prison. Woe is me. No, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I'm in prison, but I am actually changed every day to an elite Roman guard that I would not be able to talk to and share the gospel with if I hadn't been thrown in prison. He's focused. He shifts his focus from his circumstances, what he has or doesn't have, to the will of God. Doing that will, accomplishing it, pleasing him with his life. That's how we find contentment. By by shifting our focus from our circumstances to doing the will of God with the day that he's given us. To accomplishing what he wants. So as we head into the new year, I want to encourage you... uh, To do two things, I'm going to ask the band to come up and help me with this if they would. Um, And hopefully that's not a surprise to them. It's it's been the holidays, so sometimes you never know uh, what got through and what didn't. (laughs) Uh, But I'd like us to take some time. And I I would like us to look back at the last year and, and think through what has God done? For you? How has he provided for you? And let's, let's think through. Let's ask this question. Could, could you put the question on the screen? Because I actually forgot this, this specific question. How has God provided what you've needed to live and do his will this past year? So that's the question. I'd like you to reflect on that for a while. The band's going to start playing through a song that we're going to sing in a few minutes. And while they play, I'd like you to start making a list of all the ways that God has provided for you to do His will in the past year. And try to come up with at least three or four. I know you could probably come up with nine or ten if your brain's working really well, at least, in the 60 minutes. There's 60 seconds. 60 minutes, wow. Sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. We're going to take 60 seconds or so, a minute or a minute and a half, to think this through. So list three or four people Or things that you're grateful for and the band is going to play through for a minute or so. to shift, I'd like to shift our focus to 2015. How do you think you'll need God's strength in 2015? What are some ways you think you may need it? You're looking at some challenges that you're facing. Take a moment as the band plays through again to ask him to help strengthen you to do that. Maybe your relationship is floundering that you need to take initiative to repair or to renew uh, a major project. That's coming up. You're not quite sure how that's going to happen, or, or other things that are going on. How do you think you'll need God's strength in 2015? As the band plays through before they lead us in uh, the next song, then take a moment to uh, think that through, and then uh, as they sing, the we'll be receiving our offering, and you've taken the next steps that are listed in your. Uh, connection card if if you've done this so think that through how are we going to need how are you going to need God's strength in 2015 and ask him for it take the time to ask him for that strength